All right. Well, this morning I want to talk about a subject that I'm passionate about and something that I think, I said to Johannes, forgive me, but we need more than one Sunday. Okay? Because it's something that I think particularly in this time, it's maybe not something that you want to preach at the end of the year when everyone is tired, when everyone cannot look, you know, to another day of work. Everyone's just like, December, vacancy, come on. But I really believe that the Lord stirred this on my heart because it's particularly now the time to talk about it. Who's had a hard two years? The last two years has been hard. It's been confusing. It's been full of heartache. It's been full of loss. It's been full of discouragement. I'm not trying to be a negative Susan. Sorry if your name is Susan. Why do they have that? expression. I'm not trying to be negative Nancy, okay? but it's been hard, I mean. And I think one of the things that when I talk to believers, when we talk to people, one of the things that we see that the last two years have really stolen, this pandemic, this ridiculous situation in this world, what it has stolen from people besides money, besides jobs, besides, you know, family members, is that it has had the ability to steal hope and dreams from people. It has stolen for many people, particularly in the last year, this pandemic, and let's call it what it is, an assault of the enemy, has stolen the ability from believers to dream with God, to dream about the future, to have a hope, to have an expectation, a positive expectation of faith for the future. Would you agree, or is it just me that's thinking that? And I really believe that the Lord wants to do something inside of us in this time that we are in right now to reignite that hope, to fan the flame of the passion, of the expectation, of the dream that He's placed on the inside of us. And... If you are here this morning and you feel like this is actually me, I don't know if I have a hope and an expectation for my dream anymore. I don't know if I am excited about 2022. I don't actually know if God is actually going to come through because look at what this year, look at this, look at the circumstances, look at what the media is reporting about a fourth wave, fifth wave, tenth wave. I mean, what's a wave? And I want to tell you this morning, prophetically, God is saying, prepare for a wave of the Holy Spirit. Prepare for a wave in this next season. If we as believers are going to take off our eyes of the natural, we're going to take off what's happening here. What is the newspaper saying? What say Republican? I don't really care what Republican says. I care about what does the Lord of heaven's army say? What is the wave of the Holy Spirit that He wants to do? And where do we need to get our hearts to flow with that river of expectation? To flow with that place of where, even though I'm not seeing in the natural anything remotely close to the dream God has placed in my heart, I know that God has the power to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. Amen? That's where I'm at this morning so I'm going to share with you what the Lord shared with me, but that's where I am. And I really felt the Lord even speak to me outside of the dreams that Johannes and I have for this ministry that we believe God gave us for this church, for Vintuk, personal things. 
and obviously, you know, there's no distinction between us and church and personal, but personally, the Lord has said to me, how big are you willing to dream? Even in this time, how far are you willing to dream with me? And this morning I want to talk about it's time to dream again. It's time to put this season and this past behind us, even if our circumstances don't change. But it's time to go to a new level in the spirit of dreaming and seeing what he sees. Amen? I'm going to convince some of you as we go along. All right. I want you to read with me Proverbs 13, verse 12. If you've got your Bibles, this is in new version, Proverbs 13, verse 12. If we ever need wisdom, this is a great book to go to. It says the following, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this is the enemy's plan. When we are in circumstances like we've been for the last year and a half, two years, confusion, discouragement, doubt, fear, anxiety, the first thing he wants to steal, John 10, 10, steal, kill, destroy, is our hope. Because when our hope is lost, when our hope is deferred, it'll make the heart sick. What is my heart? My heart is my soul, my emotions, my thoughts, my thinking. It'll make me sick. It'll make me depressed. It'll make me discouraged. It'll make me move from that place of full of faith, full of expectation, to that place of no faith, no hope. And God doesn't want us to stay in that place. It's okay to experience those feelings, but He doesn't want us to park there. Because the problem is if we park there, we will actually miss our destiny. If we park there, we will never actually get access to the dream that God has for our lives. We will never get to the place of fulfillment, that purpose for which I was born with. You and I were all born with a purpose, something unique that God wants to do and release in the earth through us and only us. There is something that you were created to do that no one else on this planet can do. And so God wants us to dream again. I want to read to you in the Passion Translation that scripture says, When hope's dream seems to drag on and on and on, the delay can be depressing. Who's been waiting on the Lord? When hope's dream seems to drag on and on and on and on and on, the Bible says the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. Life's sweetness, God's sweetness, God's blessing, God's fulfillment will satisfy our soul. And so I want to share just three points this morning why it's time for us to dream again and why we need to start preparing our hearts. And the reason why I feel we need to talk about this now is so we don't go into the uh, depression. So we don't go into December, hallelujah, with no hope. And I'm not talking about hope for the sea of vacancy. I'm talking about hope for next year. Hope for your life when you return from the beach. Hope for your future. Hope for your family. Hope for what God is doing. Amen. 
All right, number one, some foundation this morning. And I know we all know this, but do we know it on the inside of us? Do we know it so deeply? Is it so deep rooted in us that it'll keep us anchored in the storms and in the waiting? When our circumstances are discouraged, number one, God has a dream for your life. God has a dream for your life. And by dream, I don't mean dream, you know, just a hasty, but he's here. That's also my dream. I believe it's from God. But I mean, he's got a purpose and a dream for your life. He's got a dream of what he wants to do through you. He's got a dream of the person that he wants you to become. He's already in love with you because you're his child. But he's got an ideal for you. He's got a dream for you. He's got a purpose for you. And so I want us to go back into the Old Testament this morning. Jeremiah 29, 11. Everyone knows the scripture, but I don't think everyone knows the context in which it was written. And so let's first read it and then I'll share with you. Jeremiah 29, 11. And this is the Lord and he's speaking to Israel. And he says to the nation, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And the Lord had an, a great plan and a great future and a hope for them. But you know, the context of this scripture is that Israel was actually in a place of bondage when the Lord spoke this to them. They were in captivity in Babylon and they were going to be there for 70 years. That's like saying COVID will be around for the next 70 years. Okay? Yeah, suddenly I'm losing all the, all the hope. Okay? So just get the context of this. They were not in a place where they were feeling good about themselves, where everything was hunky-dory, and the Lord says, I've got great plans for you. And they were like, yay, we're so excited. They were in bondage. And they were actually going to the prophets of the day to ask them to prophesy good news over them. They wanted them to let them know, when are we going to get out of this disaster? When are we going to get out of this situation of bondage? When are we going to get out of Babylon? Because they knew the Lord's promises from before. So they had a promise, but the dream dragged on and on and on, and they didn't see an end out. The truth is they were actually disobedient. That's why they were in bondage, but that's another story. And the Lord called up the prophet Jeremiah, and the Lord said to Jeremiah, I want you to write down this word for the Israelites, because what I'm noticing is the Israelites are going to the false prophets to give them good prophecies. And if you go and read some scholarly research on this passage, these false prophets were actually prophesying to them that the Lord will release them in two years' time. And that was a lie. And the Lord said, if you go up to verse 8, it actually said the following, but God said, do not listen to their dreams. These were the false prophets. They were going to the prophets looking for an answer. Do not listen to their dreams. They are telling you lies. I have not sent them. And so he gets Jeremiah and he gets Jeremiah to tell them that my word is going to stay true. You are going to be in bondage for 70 years, but I have a dream for you still. 
Just because you disobeyed and suffered the consequences of your disobedience does not mean my dream has changed for you. And the Lord comes, and even though they made him angry because of their continuous disobedience, the Lord still said, I still love you. I still have a dream for you. But the time must pass for what has happened But take heart, I'm going to bring you out of captivity. I'm going to get you into the promised land that I promise you. I will be the one that will keep my word to you, even if you feel the dream is going on and on and on. And so the Lord said to them, I have plans for your future. I'm going to encourage your heart, even though you broke mine. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 I just want to read this to you because this is always so beautiful to me of how the Lord speaks to us. Jeremiah 1 verse 5, this is 28 chapters in the beginning where he calls Jeremiah and he says to him, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born. Everyone say, before I was born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Now, not all of us have necessarily had the Lord walk through, you know, I heard of one prophet, the Lord walked through his bathroom wall. He was in a bathtub and told him he was going to be a prophet to the nations. Michael didn't come with like an angel delivering it like that. But whatever ways and means the Lord speaks to us, he speaks to us all differently. God has had a dream for your life before you were born. Before you were conceived, it doesn't matter how you were conceived. It doesn't matter through whom you were conceived. God had a dream for our lives. God had set us apart. He had a purpose for us before we were born. And most of us know this, but we forget it when times get tough. We forget about it when that dream seems to drag on and on and on. And we feel like, Maybe that wasn't really the word of the Lord. Maybe that wasn't really what he said. Maybe that is not my destiny. Maybe I missed it somewhere. Maybe this, maybe that. God has a dream for us. But here's the trick that I've learned with the Lord. Is that sometimes we can have our own dreams for our lives. Amen. And... It's a tricky thing, and this is where we need the Holy Spirit, because sometimes I have a dream for my life, and maybe the Lord placed it there, but I didn't know. That's why I have that dream and that desire. But sometimes it's just a fleshly thing that I'm dreaming because I don't really know what God's plan is for my life. I can't give you the answer to that. I can just tell you that's where you journey with the Lord. Because as you journey with the Lord and as you submit And surrender your life to Him. I'm not talking about attending church. I'm not talking about just even reading your Bible. I'm talking about surrendering your life to the Lord. How do you surrender your life to the Lord? Well, really, that's everything in your being. That's everything. Once you decide, okay, I'm going to become a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life fully and completely then he can start to journey and he can start to show you what is his plan for your life. Because that's what happened to me. Then the Lord will start showing you why you have the desires that you have. Because some of the desires that we have is there because the Lord placed it there. We just don't know it. But I may be going ahead of myself. So we need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is your dream over me? 
And then we need to decide it actually will take a decision. You know, God's dream for our lives will not automatically happen. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God can arrange things, circumstances, people, all of those things. But you know what? God actually wants to work in partnership with us. God has given us free will. And so we have the choice to make whether we want to follow God's plan for our lives. And I really believe that today the Lord wants to ignite some dreams in people's hearts. Some of those things that maybe you've buried for a long time because maybe it didn't work out. Maybe you were disappointed about something. Maybe COVID stole it. But that's what we think in the natural. Maybe a relationship didn't work out. Whatever it is. And whatever your reason is for burying that dream or forgetting about that dream, God is saying it's time to dream again. God is in the business of resurrecting dead dreams. Amen. Last week we read through Ephesians 1, which said the following, Even before He made the world, He loved us. He chose us in Christ. In Ephesians 2, it says that we are His masterpieces created to do good works which he planned long before time. And why is it important to have a God dream? Not just my own dream, but why is it important to know that it is a dream that God gave me? Because I personally believe in my heart of hearts that a God-given dream will inspire me like nothing else. A God-given dream will motivate me like nothing else. Okay, this okay, can come out. A God-given dream will take me to places and help me in situations where I maybe lose hope and where I am discouraged. And it will anchor me like nothing else. Because if I know that God spoke it, then I know that it will come to pass. No matter how long it takes, no matter how long I wait, no matter where I find myself, if my circumstances look anything remotely like it or not, God will always fulfill His word. A God-given dream will give you a reason to persevere through hardship. All right, number two, God's dream for our lives is much bigger than we can ever imagine. I want to read to you a scripture that honestly, probably, I don't know if I have a favorite scripture, but this is it, if there is, a, is one. Ephesians 3 verse 20. It is in the Passion Translation, and it says this, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you, and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. Just go back to that. Does anyone here have an unbelievable dream? If you don't have one yet, that's okay. God's going to give it to you. An unbelievable dream. What do I mean by an unbelievable dream? I mean, it's so impossible. It's impossible. Does anyone have a dream like that? It's so impossible if God doesn't show up, there is no way on earth ever, ever, ever of you reaching and accomplishing that dream. I have many such dreams. Most of them are impossible. Even the fact that we are standing here looked impossible to us a year ago and two years ago. Okay, we need to have impossible dreams. As your most unbelievable dream... And exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all 
for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Your wildest imagination. Sometimes I think in Christian circles, especially when we move in charismatic, let's call it charismatic, eh? like we believe we're a charismatic church. What does that mean? It just means that we believe in charis, which is the gifts, the Greek word for gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes in a charismatic movement, we can go one of two ways. We can go overboard with imagination to the point where we lose the voice of Holy Spirit, or we cannot utilize imagination at all. Not understanding that God actually gave us an imagination for a reason. That's why often when, you know, even in our children's church, you never want to discourage children from dreaming big. From imagining and using and growing their imagination. Because it's actually a profound tool that God uses to also speak to us and to also journey with us. And for me, this was something that I actually never understood. I actually thought it was wrong to imagine because I thought God had to deliver everything in a blueprint printed folder to me like this. And I thought using my imagination and thinking and dreaming was actually wrong because I was so scared of making things up. You know, does anyone relate? You're so scared of making things up that are not from the Lord. And I really believe that God wants us to get back to a place where we can imagine. Because where does vision come from? I actually believe that the Lord can give us vision through our imagination also. When we learn how to dream with God, we learn how to engage our imagination, have Him use it to give us pictures, to give us ideas, dreams of where He wants to take us. You know, before Johannes and I came to Namibia, I imagined this church. I imagined what it would be like to bring the word. I imagined what it would be like with a full kids church. Really what it looks like today. <laughs> There's no space. I imagined what it would look like to have all the seats filled, to have people raise their hands with an altar call, to have the Holy Spirit touch people. Johannes has imagined the outreach. Johannes has a great imagination, actually. He would always tell me, "This is what. imagine if we can do this. Imagine if this and this and this can happen with the outreach and with church and with this and this and that. He's an ideas person. And sometimes I get nervous because I'm the practical person that has to make the ideas come to life. And I'm like, you're going too fast with all the ideas. But that's an apostle. An apostle has an idea, and they break the ground, and other people have to make it happen. That's how God gifts the church. But I imagined everything that I'm seeing now. And I actually believe I don't have the power to imagine those things by myself. God used that to establish the dream in our hearts. So what is it that you are imagining for your life? What is it that you are dreaming about where you see God taking you? And today, if, if I'm trusting the Lord, if He can do anything today, it is to break open that imagination, to break open that little lid that we sometimes put on our dreams where we think, oh, you know, if I look at myself now, if I look at my circumstances, if I look at my bank account, 
for the dreams we have, we don't look at the church's bank account. We don't look at our bank account. You don't look at any bank account. Heaven's got a great bank account. Finance is the last thing that you need to worry about when it comes to the dreams that you have in your heart. God's vision, God's provision. Amen. Done, done deal. What is it that you are imagining for your life, that you are dreaming about? And remember, all of the dreams that God places inside of us will always have to do with the extension of His kingdom. What is that? That's first of all for you to become a mature son and daughter, to come into the plans that He has for your life, your gifts, to come into a place where you're using them, where you've got boldness, where you move in faith, where you are you who He's called you to be. And then it is to use you to get other people to Him, to reconcile other people to Him. Everything has to do with that ministry of reconciliation. What is it that you are imagining? What is your most unbelievable dream that you think will probably never happen? And I want to read a story. This is a guy in the Old Testament called Joseph. Who knows Joseph and who relates with Joseph? Okay, if you don't know Joseph, we're going to read through his life. But this is a guy, honestly, if I had his life, and if this is the turn the Lord took with me, I think if I was involved before my birth somewhere in the spiritual realm, I would have said, can I pass that one? Like, I don't, can I have a different, a different journey, a different ride? But Joseph, what an incredible guy. We can probably just study his life and we'll be set for life. Joseph was the son of Jacob and Rachel. And you know, Jacob was the one who wanted to marry Rachel. And then he had to work seven years for Rachel. And then when he finally thought he can get married, his father tricked him and he had to marry Leah. Leah wasn't as pretty. He didn't want Ra uh, Leah, but he got Leah. And then he worked another seven years to get Rachel. And so anyway, Joseph was the son of Rachel and Jacob. That was not part of the story at all. Okay, so Genesis 37 is where we start the journey of Joseph. So Joseph is the youngest of all the brothers. He's got a younger brother, Benjamin, and the other brothers all hated him because the Bible says that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because he's, he was Rachel, the beloved Rachel's son. And so he's already not starting off on a great foundation. He's already hated Okay, so we're going to read through Genesis 37, if you want to turn there, verses 5 to 11. And it says that one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. He's 17 years old now, teenager. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. It goes on in verse 9, and soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, he says, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. And this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him and said, what kind of dream is that? 
Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. His father wondered what they meant. Are ready? All right, so when you are a parent, I've spoken to many parents, and I've spoken to my mom because I believe that I'm the favorite. Every child believes that they are the favorite, but I know no parent wants to admit if they have a favorite child <laughs> because look at what favoritism does. So, so this set up Joseph on a real bad foundation already. His family hated him, but God had a dream for Joseph. God had a dream that was way bigger than what Joseph could ever imagine. From Joseph's perspective as a teenager, his dreams indicated to him that he was going to be a leader for God. He was going to be a leader and people were going to be bowing down to him. And so he was going to have some form of leadership, some form of ruling was going to be his gift. But you know, when you actually go and read through the Old Testament and do a study, that God's dream for Joseph was way bigger than him just being a leader over his family. God's dream for Joseph was actually that he would be leading the whole family of Jacob into the place of the promise, promises of God to become the nation of Israel. That same nation that ended up in Babylon. But do you see how big God's purpose was way beyond what Joseph thought his, his dream was? He dreamed leadership. God dreamed birth a whole nation for the purposes of his kingdom. So God's dream for our lives is much bigger than we can ever imagine. And I believe that, you know, some scholars say that there's quite a division among biblical scholars. You know, was Joseph, you know, hey, look at me. Like I got this dream and I'm going to lead and you're going to bow to me. Or was he just a teenager excited about what God, genuinely excited about what God had shared with him and he shared it from a pure heart and they reacted because they already hated him from before. I actually lean with the, with the latter. I actually believe that he was just a teenager, excited about a dream that God spoke to him. And you know what will sometimes happen? God will speak dreams into our hearts. Impossible things. Always, years and years and years and years before often, before it will realize that place where it looks impossible unbelievable, ridiculous, something that you can't even imagine. And often the most critique and the most resistance you will get will be from people closest to you. I hate to break it to us this morning, but we've experienced it as well. When you've got a God dream, sometimes the people closest to you will resist it will speak death over it. And next week or whenever I'm bringing the word again, we will talk about dream killers and how do we resist dream killers? How do we rise above words and circumstances trying to squash the God dreams of our lives? But we will receive resistance from those closest to us oftentimes. And we need to 
We need to find ourselves in a place where we understand and we've got such a revelation. And that's why it, it goes back to the thing that Johannes said in the beginning of the year of intimacy with the Lord. Only between you and the Lord can you get that confirmation, affirmation, that strength, that power to know that God's dream for my life will happen, whether this one or that one likes it or not. And I remember with Johannes and I, when we really pursued this, we resolved in our hearts. God's word has the last say in our lives. If we are going to allow people to stop our dreams, we are not going to get to our destiny. We are not going to see God's word fulfilled in our lives. That might take time. It might take tears. It might take sweat. It might take many things. We'll talk about this in the second time we talk about it. But honestly, it is worth it to follow God's voice above all voices. Number three, God's dream for our lives will always include delays and difficulty. That's not what everyone wants to hear, but that is the truth. It will always include delays and difficulty. And I think for me... I'm still struggling with this in many instances. But in the past where I've seen certain dreams, you know, there are big dreams, there are other dreams, there are lots of dreams. I've seen how certain things have been fulfilled when I resolved in my heart that there will be a wait and it will be okay. There will be a wait and it will be okay. A delay is not necessarily a denial. And I think most times believers give up on the dreams of God because we think that a delay means a denial. That we think that because we are delayed, because we're not seeing it, it's not going to happen. And so we give up. Joyce Meyer uses the analogy of a pregnancy. When God gives you a dream, it's a seed implanted into your spirit, into your soul and the inside of your being. But now there's a process of preparation. That seed needs to grow. I think we spoke about seed last week. That seed needs to grow. There's a time of preparation. There's things that have to need to evolve, things that need to come into place, character that needs to be built, faith that needs to be enlarged, enlarged strengthened. There's loads of things that need to happen from the seed to the tree. Amen? And so many times we... The sad reality is many times people abort on the dream before the baby comes to full term. And so I believe there's people in this room this morning that God wants to remind you, do not abort the dream. Do not abort the dream. Allow the seed to grow. Allow God's timing to work. Allow His plan to have His timing. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Allow His timing, not your timing. Amen? Because what happened to Joseph, the story unfolds. So then Joseph, he's still 17. He's a teenager. The Bible continues in Genesis 39. He goes into this place where his dad says to him, go out and go and check on the brothers and bring a report back. They were in the fields looking after the cattle and the sheep and the different things. And he sends Joseph, already hated, already got a mark on his forehead, target. Okay. And the Bible says that his brother said, oh, here comes the dreamer. 
you know, and everyone's sarcastic. And, and his brothers actually, from that place of jealousy, from that place of hatred, they actually started to plot how they were going to kill him to get rid of him. And people are going to be jealous of your dreams. People are going to be jealous and plot against you. But God says, my hand is upon you. And so the story goes, and you can go and read through it in detail, but basically they sold him off to slaver, uh, sla into slavery. The Midianite traders came along. They were on their way to Egypt. They sold him as a slave, and he left. And the Bible says that he was gone away from his family until they met him again, which we'll talk about next time. He was gone for 13 years. A teenage boy sold into slavery. He just had these incredible dreams from God, and this is his next step. Gonish. His family thinks he's dead. His brothers rejected him, deserted him, abandoned him, betrayed him. Now he's sitting in Egypt in Pharaoh's huge dreams and castles. He's a slave. How does he get to that God dream when he's in this pit? He went from this incredible dream you're going to lead and everyone will bow down to you into slavery. And his family thought he was dead. Everyone say, but God. In Genesis 29 verse 2, it goes, that it says that the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. And we're going to talk about this because we're going to run out of time. I, wanna, I want us to really receive communion this morning. But what happened was that he served there for 13 years until he was made ruler at the age of 30. And he got reunited, and we'll talk about that story another time. But in those 13 years, in the time that he was waiting for God to get him out of his circumstances, to change his circumstances, to get him out of this place of slavery into anywhere remotely close to the dream. I mean, he's not even... He cannot even smell it. He can probably not even imagine it, so bad his circumstances were. But the Bible says at least four or five times in that passage, but God was with Joseph. Everything he touched turned into success. And the Bible says that he served his master in his time of slavery. There is a time on our way and on our journey to our dreams being fulfilled where we have to make a hard decision, are we going to be willing to get our attitude intact in the waiting and serve God's purposes before we see the dream come into fulfillment? I'm not just talking about serving in church. I'm talking about serving with your life, serving your family, serving in the job where you are at. When the Lord spoke to me and said, I've called you for leadership in ministry, I immediately started applying for jobs at church because... I just have the word. And you know, door closed, after door closed, after door closed. And I was in the corporate world. I was a, a public relations director. And, you know, I just had zero passion after that. I had zero motivation to be there. I hated every minute of it because I already saw myself in church. And I think I was there for six or seven years. I met Johannes in that time. I mean, he was tired of me complaining, of me thinking, you know, when is God, when, God, when, God, when? And the dream felt like it went on and on and on, or the delay at least. 
But you know, in that time, the Lord spoke to me very clearly, and it took me a long time to get that lesson, that in that time of waiting, I still had to serve God's purposes in that company. I was surrounded by Muslims, surrounded by atheists, surrounded by new age people. And God opened opportunities and doors for me to pray for many of those people to lead prayer meetings. And all the Muslims would come to the prayer meetings and it started becoming ridiculous. But I still had to serve the purpose in that time of waiting, even though my door that I wanted to open did not open. And the same with Joseph, he had to serve, he had to pass tests. We will talk about it next time, the test of faithfulness. Will you be faithful with what is in your hand until God opens the door that you want to be opened? Everyone serving on this team in church, and Johannes and I served on many teams. You know, there was the time where I, for, for three years, I was on the events team cleaning the toilets on Sunday mornings. And I was like, Lord, you know, after one year, I thought I got faithfulness. Two more years. Now you're dressed really neat in your wit toppie and you're going to make Okay, but God had to teach me faithfulness on a much deeper level if he was going to trust me with a church. If I cannot be faithful with the toilet, how can I be faithful with the lives of people and the hearts of people? You know, we have to pass tests of faithfulness. And it's not going to be one test. It's going to be two, three, four, five. And he's going to continuously give us those tests until we pass them. Test after test. Joseph had to pass the integrity test. Pharaoh's or Potiphar's wife came and she tried to seduce him. And, you know, he's been in there a long time. He's a teenage boy. A beautiful woman comes, takes off her clothes. You know, what does a normal teenage boy do? Joseph goes, I will not sin against my God. He passes his integrity test, but he gets another one. And every time he did something right and he passed the test, he was thrown into prison. Sometimes you will pass the test, you will do the right thing, you will be obedient to God, and you will still be persecuted for it. But are you still willing to continue to serve in that time? Joseph spent another two years in prison. He tried to get himself out of prison by saying to one of the Potiphar's um, people, can you remember me? He started laying out dreams. We'll talk about that next time. But he even tried to get himself out of that situation. You know, sometimes we try and open a door for ourselves. And the guy forgot about Joseph. And the Bible says he stayed in prison for another two years. That's a word for someone this morning. I felt like I was in a prison in the corporate world. But God says, I have not forgotten. And I want to read this scripture to you before we go into communion, and I'll end off with communion. I knew I was not going to have enough time for this sermon this morning, but we are going to, we are going to continue the story of Joseph because there's so much more that we can learn from his story. But I want to conclude with this this morning. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says the following. And I pray that this will encourage your heart this morning. If you are in a place of waiting, if you're in a place of where you feel like the, the delay is going on and on and on and on and on. This scripture says, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Even if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. I'm going to ask the team to hand out communion for us this morning. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you are, if you are waiting on the Lord, 
There's two groups of people. If you are waiting on the Lord for a dream and you feel like you're in denial. And I'm going to read the scripture in a moment. Ach, not denial, delay. And you feel like you're in delay at the moment. God's timing is beyond our timing. We've got to find ourselves in a place where God's timing is something that we've got to trust beyond our own timing. I remember this as we were preparing to leave Namibia, and I've got other examples of when I trusted the Lord for a marriage partner. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'll talk about that next time. But I was like, is this ever going to happen? When we were trusting the Lord for Namibia, we had a prophetic word on our wedding day. And we already had the seed of that in our hearts. I knew I wanted to work for church. I knew I wanted to serve the Lord with my life, wherever, however. I just didn't know where or when or how. So the seed was already in it. But then we received a prophetic word about a church plant and about a ministry in Namibia that would be more than one church plant. It would be all over Namibia. It was huge. And the first thing Johannes and I did, we, it was on our wedding day, even on our honeymoon, we started talking about when, how, plans. This was our honeymoon. <laughs> we started talking about plans. And eventually two years passed. We were still in Durbanville and nothing looked like it was happening. And I remember one day there was a prophet, he came to, to do a conference there and, and Johannes and I, he's part of our Living Word family in Brumeria and every time there was a prophetic uh, minister, we would rush, we would be at the front, yes, what is the Lord saying? We're here to receive. And we went to him and he said to us, you know what the Lord is showing me in the spirit? He said, and he looked at Johannes and he said to Johannes, I see you're like a wild horse, not a wild horse, but like a horse and the Lord is pulling the reins back. And he's saying, wait, it's okay that you want to run. But God says, wait on my timing. Because if you go in your own timing, it may be okay. But when you wait for God's timing, it will be blessed. It will be powerful. It will be anointed. And he said to us that God is busy pulling the circumstances together. He's busy preparing the hearts of the people that are going to be there. He was already preparing all of you by that time. He needs to arrange the circumstances. He needs to get the things together. He needs to talk to the people who need to give. He needs to talk to the people who need to serve. He needs to talk to the people, you know, you get the, the gist. And I'm using my church example, but you have your own example in your life. You may not be called to plant a church. You may be called to fund a church. You may be called to raise children that will plant churches. You may be called to, you know, build businesses that will change the economy of this nation. You may be called for, I don't know, what God is putting on your heart. But I want us, as we read the scripture for communion this morning, to just take, and I know, again, it's me. We're going to go five minutes over time. Okay? But God says, don't rush. I want us to take a moment and we're going to remember today what Jesus did on the cross for us. Because I really believe that God had a dream. God had a dream for you and me, first and foremost, to be reconciled to Him. And that's His dream for every other person in this nation, for every person that we know that do not know the Lord. 
And his dream was for Jesus to take that punishment on our behalf. And so why don't we read the scripture? And I know it's going to interrupt the music, but that's okay. I want us to read Matthew 26, verse 26. And this is where Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper. And he's explaining to the disciples. And it says in verse 28, And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it. All of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now you can go back to your, to your slide. And I want us this morning as we receive communion. To remember the dream that God had for you and me for eternal life. To remember what Jesus accomplished. And as we receive the bread, remember that his body was broken for us. So that we could be made whole. His body was broken so that we can feed. Because Jesus is the bread of life. And by feeding on him, he will lead us on the path where we need to go. And when you receive the juice, remember the blood that was spilled. Remember the dream of a new covenant that God had for us, a new covenant of grace. Where not only are our sins forgiven, but we have direct access to the Father. We have direct access to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit so that we can fulfill the dream that He has for us. And then I want you, as you receive communion this morning, I want you to take a moment, try and not be distracted by anything. Try and just focus a minute on the Lord. And if you're waiting on your dream, ask Him to give you the grace to wait, the power to pass the tests. And if you're in a place where you don't yet have a God-given dream, you're not sure what God dreams about you. Why don't you ask Him to show you? Let's just take a moment for that as we receive communion together. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. Lord, for the dream of the Father that you fulfilled. Lord, that you surrendered your life for us. That your body was broken so that we can be made whole. Your blood was spilled, Lord, so that we could be forgiven. So that we could enter a new covenant. A covenant of grace. Lord, that we could be reconciled with the Father. That we could be made sons and daughters. That we could be called children of the Most High God. And Lord, we thank you this morning as we are reminded of what you have done for us. That is where your dream starts for us, Lord, that you dream of us being reconciled with you. You dream of us, Lord, knowing who we are and whose we are. 
And your biggest dream for us, Lord, is fellowship and intimacy with you. And I pray, Father, that as we are reminded today and as we remind ourselves that you are coming back, Lord, and that we've got limited time on this earth, Lord, to find out why we are here and what you have called us to do. I pray, Father, that you would continue to stir the dreams and awaken the dreams that you've placed on the inside of us for your glory, for your kingdom. I want to pray a blessing over every person in this room, Lord. Those who are tired in the waiting, Father, I pray that you will give them the strength to persevere. Lord, I pray that you would give them the faith to continue. I pray that you would give them the strength, Lord, to pass the tests of faithfulness, of integrity, tests of forgiveness, whatever it is that you take us through, Lord. Whatever it is that you are restoring in us, that you are building in us, that you are equipping us for. Lord, we want to surrender our lives afresh to you this morning. And we want to be reminded that you are busy and your word will always be accomplished. Your word will be fulfilled no matter how long it takes. And I want to pray for those of us who are not sure, Lord, what is the God-given dream on the inside of us. I pray for ears to hear and eyes to see. And as I was praying earlier, I just saw notebooks and people writing. And I feel like the Lord is stirring some people to start writing because He's going to start speaking. And He has been speaking. We just haven't had the receivers to dial in. And I want you to start writing down in this next week, what are the dreams on your heart? And ask the Lord to confirm to you what is it that is from Him. God wants to share it. God wants to speak to us. God wants us to walk in the dreams that He has for us. Father, will you help us to be patient? Will you help us to be faithful? Will you help us to never let go of our integrity, Lord, in the waiting? Would you stir up today again afresh in our hearts, Lord, the seeds of the dreams you've planted? I pray for every person that's just trusting the Lord for that next step, that you will know that you know that you know what you need to do and that you will have the courage to step out and to do it. Maybe for someone, it's just to step out and start serving. Maybe it is, I don't know, to just do something in faith. Do a cost estimation. Whatever it is that God is stirring in your heart. I believe the Lord says it's time. It's time to dream again. Leave 2021 where it was. Leave 2020 where it was. And let's go into 2022 with a bigger expectation. Things might not get easier in the world. In fact, it will get darker. But that's when the glory of the Lord can shine forth brighter. That's when we can be standing in the purposes and the presence of God and be more effective and be more powerful than ever before for His glory. And we thank you, Lord, that your will will be done in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.